For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I started working on friends and family and any face that would hold still. I had to come up with a plan B, and these incredible academic and professional career opportunities can come out of it. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some great tidbits from our show. Stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startups. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The road to entrepreneurship where we talk with startups, small businesses, and discuss the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have on our show, Christina Flack, who is just an amazing woman. She's a celebrity hair and makeup artist, and she's the founder of Pretty Girl Makeup. And she's also going to be talking about a new business that she's going to be starting. So can't wait to hear from her. And then we have Sean Barry. I'm so excited about this. I didn't know that this existed. Talk about selling and experience. It's all to do with the gaming world. I'm not going to say any more because he'll explain it. Can't wait for that. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for... IP in the news. And who is on the table for IP in the news today? Well, it's Eminem, and it's also the Real Housewives of Potomac. And let me guess, they're getting into a dispute. Yes. So the question is, can you put the word shady in your name and sell a whole bunch of merchandise and all this stuff? Not if you're Eminem, right? Because he's got the trademark, and he's been marketing himself that way for a long time. And he's kind of upset that the Real Housewives have stolen his mark. They want to use reasonably shady for merchandise, for lip gloss and other types of merchandise. And he's like, wait, no. Well, what's the difference between reasonably shady and shady? I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I'd like to know this. Uh, I don't know that there's a big trademark difference, not legally, right? So the Real Wives filed their trademark application, and Eminem found out about it, and he filed what's called an opposition, which is a legal proceeding to stop them from getting their mark. And, of course, they're both getting a lot of publicity from the whole thing, right? So I'm pretty sure that we'll be hearing more about this. Well, do you think their mark will go through the trademark office? Uh, It's a close call. I mean, it really is. I mean, he's got a strong mark. Uh, He's been using it for a long time. It covers merch, and they're also selling some merch, although they're selling different kinds of merch. So I think it's going to be a close case. The marks aren't quite the same. They don't have the same connotation. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it comes out. So when you file a mark, though, everybody else gets 30 days to say, hey, they shouldn't be allowed to have this mark. Is that what he did? Was he in like the 30-day period? So he saw they filed that mark, and he's like, wait, you can't have it? So what happens is that people watch other people's trademarks, right? And so when something gets issued from the trademark office, there's electronic computer programs that monitor that, and then they can find out 
this mark is being published and it's pretty close to ours, and then they can use that as a basis to file a legal proceeding if that's what they want to do. Well, it will be interesting to see how this turns out. Yeah, I'm curious. I just think it's kind of a funny situation, reasonably shady. Who would have thought? So um, in any case... (laughs) I'm not sure I would want to be known as reasonably shady. It's like being reasonably bright or something. So, um, Not very. So I want to ask Christina, talking about Eminem and his uh, shadiness, can you maybe uh, give us your opinion on this whole situation? You know, it's funny. I'm in the midst of trademarking my new company called I'm Too Busy. So all this <laughs> that you're just talking about is something that I'm dealing with presently. So I'm, it's funny, his reasonably shady. It's funny to me to hear that he's watching that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that he's actually even able to file something like that. Trademarking, as you know, is very complex it's and complicated. It's complicated, and you know, once the lawyers get involved, it you know they can they oh you gotta fight this right you know. Yeah. And I'm curious how he found out that they were using it. I wonder who told him or how he found out about it. Yeah, is yeah. there some notification at the trademarking offices that let you know when? a word or something that you've trademarked is that someone else has done that? Do they inform you or how well, is that? The answer to that question is yes. Every time a trademark gets granted, it gets published and there are databases where this information is available. Mm-hmm. And so you can put keywords in, like his attorney's putting keywords for shady in this database. When somebody else has a mark that uses that same word, it comes up on a printout, and then the lawyers look at it and tell the client about it, and then they decide what to do. So pretty common practice. It's called policing your trademark. And if you have trademarks, it's good to make sure that they're policed because he has a little legitimate business interest here. Does Gearheart Law do that? Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) www.gearheartlaw.com if you want your trademark policed. So, Sean, what are your thoughts? You know, I I have a couple of thoughts, right? So my company is called Metro Sports and Entertainment Group. So there's a lot of companies out there called Metro, right? So I always look around the corner for a call or somebody saying cease and desist or, or something like that. So I created a DBA, Metro Esports, just in case, right? But what I do know about Eminem is I don't know that you want to be on Eminem's bad side. Oh. Because um, he'll go make a song about you, and that could be good attention <laughs> or that could be bad attention, right? Trade Mark but, Infringer. Right. <laughs> Listen, this is a guy that went after his own mom on a song, so I don't know if that's the smoke that they want. I think that's good advice. So make sure, even if it's not legal, make sure you uh, stay out of the way of famous people. Kenya? Well, I kind of feel a little way about it because I feel like he's done really well for himself. He's made all this money. You know, they're kind of new to the game. I don't think that it was intentional because I do admit that I watched the show. It's like one of my guilty pleasures. And I think it just came from like a slang word that they were using. So it wasn't Mm. like an intentional thing. I don't know. I feel like everybody can make money and do well and everybody has a right to eat. And I I don't know. I kind of would have looked the other way unless I felt like it was an intentional infringement on his original trademark, which I'm getting the vibe that it's not, but I don't know that for certain. So Right. Like you said, they may have said, well, reasonably shady is not shady. So what would be the big deal? And they probably talked with the lawyer about this and the lawyer probably said, oh, maybe you're taking a little risk here, but it should be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And then out of nowhere, this big famous guy comes with his legal machine. And millions of dollars. And millions of dollars. So it can be a tough space out there. Lots of times people will work this out. So instead of going all the way through the court process, they'll agree just to limit their use for these markets and he'll stay out of their markets 
And, you know, hopefully they can coexist. Yeah. And that's usually how these things work themselves out. I hope so. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. I don't know if even the word shady means the same for him that they're using it Well, as. that's a great yeah. point, so, right? Maybe yeah. they're talking about a room that's reasonably shady as opposed to, that was a joke, as, oh. opposed, to, <laughs> yeah, as opposed to like a personality characteristic. It's right. like, oh, there's not a lot of shade in this room. Well, it's reasonably he, shady. Yeah. What does he think about throwing shade on somebody? Like, I mean- can you own a word like that? I guess that's a question, right? Well, he his character was Slim Shady. Like, Slim right. Shady was a character that he created. Reasonably Shady is, like, just a terminology where someone's being not all the way shady, but reasonably shady. <laughs> Somewhat shady. Somewhat shady, right? Not black, not white, but gray. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. right. So, that's so okay. the line of demarcation is the amount of shade. Right. <laughs> Isn't there like a sliding scale or something? I, who knows? And I guess the moral of the story is, if you have a trademark question, please contact Gearheart Law at www.gearheartlaw.com. And now it's time for Christina Flack, celebrity hair and makeup artist. And welcome to the show, Christina. Hi. Uh, hi. Thanks for having me. Hey, so you're located in San Francisco, right? I am. Murray so County. Uh, and we're so glad that you were able to be here with us in the studio today in New York. It's amazing. This that, is that so fun. I'm timing. really happy to be here. Yes. Thanks so much. So what you've been up to, tell us about your projects and what you got going on. So, Well, I am a celebrity makeup artist, and I am the creator and founder of Pretty Girl Makeup. I'm also starting a new company called I'm Too Busy Makeup and Skincare. And I am a beauty expert on California Live NBC. I am a philanthropist and a mother of five. So how did you get into the makeup business? I started working on my friends and family and any face that would hold still. (laughs) (laughs) But you've actually made up a lot of people, right? I mean, who are some of your favorite celebrities that Uh, you've worked with? Condoleezza Rice, Maria Bartolomo, Tyler Florence, Hilary Swank, Rita Moreno. Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Isaiah Washington. I've worked with a lot of that's really clients. That's yeah. really quite a list. Yes. And when you're doing somebody, when you're making them up, I would imagine every person is different, right? I don't really know anything about the makeup business, but you have to kind of be on the spot and figure out, well, what's going to make this person look the best, yes. right? and feel the best. And so part of best. my job is putting them in a good mood. So if they're not in the happiest mood, I get out my aromatherapy oils, I massage their hands, I get them a cup of tea, I just let them talk, or if they want quiet, I have to figure out in about three seconds what they need to look their best in front of the camera, besides sh- work on their face. Do you only work with clients in San Francisco area, or do you travel across the country? All over the country. I did wow. a show with Ronan Farrow in Phoenix. I went to Super Bowl for two days, worked with Nickelodeon and the NFL. So I'm all over the place. The NFL? Who did you do makeup on for the NFL? Well, it was Super Bowl week, so it was, you know, Radio Row. So there was a lot of press going on. Brett Michaels, I did his makeup and some a bunch of other athletes. Is it fun? Great fun. I meet interesting people. I'm in different places all the time and get to be creative. It's great. Tomorrow I have a shoot here in the city. How did you get started in this? And how did you get access to these people? Well, I started working on, you know, weddings, and then it led to working with photographers. And then I got a portfolio together, and I submitted it, and I got represented. I have three agents. Mm. I'm with Ford Artists in New York, L.A., uh, Miami, Chicago. I'm with Zenobia, and I'm with Brandy Moore in San Francisco. So Kenya. Yeah, so difference between TV makeup versus everyday makeup. What is the creative process like for that for you when you go into a set versus, like, a look you might do on somebody in a regular situation? 
Okay, so there's so many different regular situations. There's events. So it just depends on what TV it's going to be. Just make sure that's not shiny. That's a big thing. And, you know, it depends on how much makeup is needed. Obviously, for the men, not as much. They just need to, you know, moisturize or concealer and powder and make sure their hair's good but and evened out the skin. Mm-hmm. And then for women, it's just like... You know, I did Rita Moreno for People magazine, so that was like a great amount. I think she looked beautiful, and it looked really great in in the magazine. So it just is every situation is different, and you have to adapt quickly. How long does it take you to make somebody up? Again, it just depends on how severe the problem is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, usually the men are very quick. It's, you know, five, ten minutes at the most, and it's not even that. A lot of that is just moisturizing hands, massaging hands, doing the face, prepping it. And, you know, a woman could be, I'm very fast, but it just depends on how. Sometimes I have 20 minutes, sometimes I have an hour. It just depends on how much time I'm given. Are you the only one doing it or do you have people helping you? No, I'm the only one. Sometimes I'll have an assistant or there'll be another makeup artist, but typically I'm by myself. You're traveling. You must have like a huge suitcase, right? It is so much. It is so much. Can you carry that on or do you have to check it? Um, I carry, like yesterday I carried on my main makeup case and then in a suitcase I had stuff for hair. It's really interesting, sort of in your personal life, you've had a lot of challenges. And I saw that you did a podcast episode on grief, right? I have done many on grief, yes. So tell us a little bit about how you approach that and how you help people who are grieving through loss. Well, I was married to Ken Flack. He was a professional, former number one tennis player in the world with his partner, Rob Seguso. And he passed away, it's been five years since he's been gone, of sepsis. And so after he passed, I speak about um, raising awareness for sepsis, the signs of it, because most people don't know what they are. What are they? Sepsis is an infection of the blood Mm -hmm. that attacks all your vital organs. So if you have an infection someplace in your body, whether it be an infected tooth or a cut on your hand or a cold, bronchitis, like as my husband had, and you are not seen or not treated with an IV antibiotic, it will shut down all of your organs very quickly. It's very aggressive disease. So after he passed away, the Sepsis Alliance contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to speak about raising awareness. And I said yes. And then it kind of segued into grieving, how I grieve, how people grieve. And um, I think that you can grieve in a positive way. I don't think it needs to be an old lady with a veil in black, completely miserable and angry all the time. I think you can honor your loved one in different ways. I started two educational funds at the Northern Light School in Oakland, California for underprivileged children. My kids have all helped at the school um, donating their time. My youngest son is a golfer. And for the last seven years, he has um, played golf in a golf tournament that Vita Blue puts on with all these different athletes in the Bay Area. And this past October, we raised $60,000 for his twin and his daddy's uh, educational fund. Wow. You know, we're really excited about that. And I think you can honor your loved one by doing do-goodery, as I like to call it. That's your legacy, right? You're giving them a legacy, too, because I'm assuming their name is on the educational fund. Yes. my Yeah, yeah Ben and Ken, yes. So we have to take a break right now, but we'd like to talk a little bit more about this when we come back. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guest. Christina Flack will be back right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gear 
Earhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Christina Flack. What a story. She is going to talk about the Northern Lights School now and the Baby Bo and Ken Flack fundraiser. So can you enlighten us a little more about that? Yes. The Northern Lights School is an amazing school in Oakland, California. It is run on solely on grants and donations. And it is a private school with a 98% success rate of kids going on to getting scholarships to college. And education and nutrition are incredibly important to me. I love being able to give back with that. And then I also help start the Bo Friedman Outdoor Classroom at the Edna McGuire School in Mill Valley, California. And it's an outdoor garden. Um, there's chickens and fruit trees and different vegetable patches. And the kids grow them. They cook with them, do science experiments. I love it. It's just a very special place. I always admire it when people can take difficult personal challenges and turn them into positive things for other people. And so I think it's awesome that you have channeled your grief into something positive. Is that something that you talk about on your podcast as a way to help cope with the losses that take place? I think it has helped deal with my grief. It's been five years for Ken and it's going to be 16 for my son. And, you know, I have other children and I can't just stay in this negative, dark, grieving place. I have to sing a good example for them. I have to run my company and I want to have a happy, loving life. And so just continually being negative and depressed and sad about that is not how I want to live my life. I think the greatest thing that we can do is, you know, have big love in the world, giving back in your relationships and with your children and your work. That's wonderful. You seem to have this positive disposition and you're so strong. Do you think your experiences have helped your brand evolve? I think my career has helped me deal with it because I love it so much and it does make me happy. But my daughter, Melania, had said something to me after Ken died and when I was in my office kind of just angry and foul at the world. But she said, you know, mom, you have to be grateful for the time that you did have, not mm -hmm. for what you don't have. And I think that's kind of how I live my life. I try to live with a sense of gratitude and love and laughter, and it opens doors for so many possibilities. I never expected to be an on-air beauty expert on California Live on NBC, which is really fantastic. It totally helps my brand. And doing all these podcasts, I started doing them and it's evolved into me speaking more about beauty and wellness. And I'm trying to segue away from, you know, speaking about the grieving all the time because I don't want to be living in the past and living just as this grieving widow. I'm in a new relationship, you know, after it's been a long time now. And so I really want to focus on the life I have now and not so much on the past life. Good Christina, for you. You are one of the bravest people <laughs> I've ever met. Oh. You're in a new relationship, too. That's got to be a challenge. But I did want to find out about I'm Too Busy. I'm Too Busy, yes. yes. I'm really excited about it. What is that? I wanted to start a new company, and the name came up, and we trademarked it. And it's um, I'm Too Busy, and it kind of is 
like my life. I'm too busy, but I'm not. There's balance in my life, but I love being busy. I love having all these different opportunities and it's fun. And I think in the makeup industry, I want people to be able to do their makeup in a short period of time with the exact essentials of makeup they need. So many times I've had women come up to me and say, I've gone into all these stores and they're selling me all these products. I don't know how to use them and I don't use them. So I want to have this line to be just tight of what you really need to be able to do your makeup in about five minutes and go out about your day and be too busy. I think there's a niche for there's so many different makeup brands, but I think that this one, I am a you know a working makeup artist. I still do photo shoots, but I also, you know, I am a businesswoman and I know what I need to get out in front of the world and look like the best version of myself. I think everyone is visual. And there's no reason why going out in the world and not looking like your best self is it's an asset. And why would you not want to? And it's not a superficial thing. It's just a fact. I want to be the best version of me professionally in how I look. I can't do what I do being an on-air beauty person or a CEO of a makeup company or a makeup artist if I don't even look together and look like a best version of me, right? I kind of have to. So, Christina, I do have, like, a really super down-in-the-weeds question Ooh, for you. Oh, go. I love those kinds. So I used to always wear mascara and the whole stuff. And then, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, mascara just started bugging my eyes. And I would put mascara on and my eyes would just turn red. And people would go, what's wrong with you? You know, it was embarrassing. What did they change or what could I wear in mascara-wise? Not, I not don't happen. know what kind you were using, but oftentimes people, mascara is something that needs to be changed every two to three months. Was Maybe it, it was the brand then that Maybe. I was trying. Were you taking it off every night? I cannot tell you how many women come up and tell me they don't take off their mascara. They keep it on. To me, it's as bad as not brushing your teeth. I sleep with my makeup sometimes if I'm really, really, really tired, but I do really good skincare. Like I get a facial once a month. Like I do, I know it's important. Because you can have like great makeup, and if your skin's not good, exactly, you're just putting paint on a bad yes. canvas. I talk, I speak a lot about beauty from the inside out, and it's not just what you put on your face; it's what you eat, what you drink, a lot of rest, drinking a lot of water. Feeling good mm-hmm. helps you look good, right? definitely. I think. When people are happy, the eyes don't lie. Mm-hmm, so when right. people are happy, when they have love in their eyes, laughter in their heart, they look better on camera. So that's why part of my job when I am on a shoot is to make sure that the person is in good a mood as they can be in because they will photograph better, which makes my work look better. What do you do to make sure that a guest feels good? I just start out by, hey, how's your day going? And if they tell me awful, they don't want to talk, then we just end it there. And I'll just get out (laughs) some lavender essential oils and massage their hand. And they all, in like 30 seconds, they're in a good mood. And well, so, if we had known you would do this, we should have I gotten know. you here earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's yes. four of us here you could have helped. Are there any like makeup trends right now that are happening that we should know about and anything that we should like retire uh, for eternity? Well, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I don't really think about trends. I love them, I watch them, they're entertaining, but I think everyone needs to figure out how they look the best because not all trends look good on everybody. And if you look in magazines or TV, you don't really see these makeup trends. That's more like TikTok, Instagram type of thing. So when I'm doing a Gucci, a Louis Vuitton or a TV show, I have very clear instructions like from, you know, the offices, corporate offices at Gucci, Louis Vuitton, how they want the makeup done or not done. They want it very basic. 
fashion is the focal point, not what I'm doing to their face. And if it's TV, they just want them to look like the best version of them. And so there's not a lot of trends, but I like filled in brows always, a good dewy skin, eye cream. I love concealer. I like, you know, the mascara. I'm not a big fan of eye extensions, and I know you have them. I love them. <laughs> yes. Yours are tasteful, but Thank I have you. to say I have seen some that look like Chia Pets. I that, know. You know? <laughs> that's, well, that's, a, that's something that should be retired, I, right? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. I, I'm kind of getting now why people are called makeup artists because – there really is a lot to all of this, right? I mean, you really have to take into account the person, the personality, the environment they're going to be in, what you're trying to emphasize and de-emphasize. I mean, it makes sense if you're a fashion house. You want people to look at the clothing and sort of see the model but not be so drawn to him or her that it distracts from the clothing, right? So Exactly. And, and so there's a lot to this. You have to figure out what situation you're dealing with and, and work within that. I have athletes that I work with. I have different uh, chefs, different podcasters. I work with Bachelor Nation. I just want them to look natural. I don't want them to look cakey or overly made up. But then there, I have other clients that I get to go crazy and paint away, and it's so much fun. And, in fact, <laughs> tomorrow the photo shoot that I'm doing, I'm working with two photographers here in New York that I adore and I get to go crazy. We're going to shoot with a model and I get to just kind of express myself the way I don't get to normally in my everyday work. Do you have to like sometimes negotiate with the person you're making up because they're like... Yes. It's such an interesting psychology of makeup with women. There's women that are so attached to how they look that they're not comfortable with something different. So if I have a client like that that is so rigid. They're not able to get comfortable being uncomfortable or trying something new. It is very strange to me that someone will hire me and then tell me exactly how they want me to do their makeup and not be willing or open to letting me show them how I think they would look better. But I have to listen to my clients because if they're so uncomfortable with how they look because it's different than what they're used to, they're not going to give a good interview. It's going to be really distracting for them. So I, I do have to listen to them. I may make suggestions very politely saying, I think this would look better, but we will do whatever you want. Christina Flack, celebrity hair and makeup artist. Christina, where can we find you? You can find me at ChristinaFlack.com and to see uh, there's videos in my portfolio. And then if you want to go to PrettyGirlMakeup.com and then very soon it's going to be I'mTooBusy.com to see the makeup products. We're offering 20% discount on Pretty Girl with discount code PRETTYGIRL. Passage Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt back right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, eVine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. 
Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we have our special guest, Christina Flack, celebrity hair and makeup artist. Now it's time for Power Move Kenya. For Power Move today, we have Queen Latifah. And she was doing some research and realized that there was a staggering disparity among women behind the camera for commercial advertisements in film, particularly women of color, show there was only 10% of the helm when it came to media and representation. So she decided that she wanted to create a platform for women filmmakers, and she launched Queen Collective, which is going to give women the opportunity to create, produce, direct, and have financing for their short film and distribution. And she did a big thing about it on the NAACP Awards and promoted it. So I am giving her a power move today. And, you know, she's really the person to pull it off. She's got the experience and the talent, and we really hope that she's uh, successful with this one. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. I love her. Isn't she doing the Equalizer on TV now, too? I think so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so she's got a lot going on, but kudos to her. Yeah. Elizabeth, it's time for Fireside Plus because you have Fireside plus other things that you're doing. So what's going on there? So Fireside is now Blue Streak. I'm working on the website. I've revamped it yet again. The project was huge when I started, and I realized most people could not understand all the different pieces to it and put them all together. So I've really pared it down, and I think it's going to be great once I get the website going and I really get it going and get it out. So I'm excited about that. So that's number one. And number two is my cat podcast that I started with, with Danielle Woolley. It's the Jersey Podcast, right? It's the Jersey Podcasts, and we have a lot of fun. We have guests. We record it once a week, and we... Drop it on Tuesday, so it goes everywhere on Tuesday. We do it on Zoom, so we have video. And we have people come on and talk about their experiences with their cats. That's going. We're building the Facebook group and getting followers and developing the business. But one thing I wanted to say is we had this guy on a couple shows ago, Brian Will, drop out to multimillionaire. And one thing he talks about with his business is having profit and loss statements often for every different part of the business because that's the only way you know if your business is working for you or not. And so I decided to go back with both Blue Streak and the Jersey Podcasts and do profit and loss statements for everything I've done so far because and it's all going to be lost. I was going to say, <laughs> isn't that a little premature? Well, no, I don't think it is because if you want to go for grants and loans and stuff like that, you have to have something yeah. to show them accounting-wise, right? I do think it's important from the very beginning of your business to set some good habits and to get some of these things under control. So I realized we hadn't done that. And after listening to Brian Will, to him, that is like the one thing that can make or break your business because it helps you keep track of everything that's going on. I think but, it's really great that you're bringing this up because we never really talk about the financial piece on Passage to Profit. It's always the marketing, but The fact that you're doing this at an early stage of your business, I think, is a very good lesson for other entrepreneurs out there because some people are just scared of the numbers because they're scared of numbers. Other people just don't want to know the truth, right? And the numbers don't lie. And it's not that hard to do. You don't have to be super elaborate. You can have your own categories, et cetera. But enough about that because I really want to talk to Sean Barry, and he has got the coolest thing. And his website, before we get started, is metroesports.gg. I'm not even going to try to describe this. I'm going to let him do it, but I hope you have your profit and loss statements for all of your locations. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how you could come out of a pandemic without P&Ls on just about everything that you do. Got to be close to the business, but hi. 
Hi. Uh-huh. Yeah, so tell us about what you're doing. It's so exciting. Yeah, my company is called Metro Sports and Entertainment Group. We have a DBA, Metro Esports. That's where metroesports.gg comes from. And if you're not familiar with the video game world, GG means good game. And it has been a whirlwind couple of years for me as we kind of grow and develop and scale. What is this incredible, exciting ride for me? Transitionally, I don't come from the gaming or esports or tech world at all. I actually come from the traditional sports world. I was a college football player. I come from a family of professional athletes. My grandfather was a, a Negro League baseball player. He played with Jackie Robinson and Satchel Paige. And my dad was a great football player. And in my family, sports was it, right? You're going to be an athlete. You're going to you know, go to the NFL or you know, you're going to be one of those multimillionaires with a big house and a yacht. And, you know, I remember telling my mom at six years of age, I'm going to buy you a house after I get my Heisman Trophy. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it just wasn't in the cards. I mean, I, I got a football scholarship and had a great experience. But, you know, I wasn't blessed to be like 6'5 or 350 pounds or whatever that is. So um, I had to come up with a plan B. And so this company, Metro Esports, is a lot about plan B. It's about finding kids where they are and these incredible academic and professional career opportunities that can come out of it. That's amazing. Yeah. So what do you actually do? You have locate, you have physical locations where people come to game and do other things? Yeah, we have gaming labs, right? So we have five locations. We're actually on two college campuses. We're on a community college campus at Lincoln University, which is an HBCU, is their first esports gaming lab. We partner with the YMCA's, and so we put our gaming labs inside the YMCA's, almost like a Starbucks in an airport, where kids can come and learn to, uh, you know, play video games, and all that's fun, but they can come in and learn to code or program or design if they like, you know, different aspects of the industry. And that's why I love it so much because, you know, you might love playing video games. That's that's awesome. But there are so many fantastic careers, um, you know, that pay a lot of money, you know, that you can develop your skills in. You know, when you think about metaverse production, a lot of that's birthed out of, you know, the AR and VR video games, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our goal with our gaming labs and a lot of the leagues and tournaments and programs is about helping identify a really, really cool path. You know, academically, 250 schools gave out esports scholarships last year. So when you say esports, yeah. well, what does that mean? Esports, really simply, if you remember back in the day when people played Pac-Man or Asteroids, or it's two people playing against one another and keeping score. Uh, and so it becomes a sport out of the game. And it is now the fastest growing sport in the world. And there's like professional esports people, right? I oh, mean, goodness, making yes. a lot of money just playing video games. Right? They have, don't they have like contests where people sit and play against each other for millions of dollars or <laughs> yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars? And people are sitting there watching it, no, right? No, you said it right the first time. It's a millions. Million? Oh, I mean, my God. Just to give you an idea or contextually, more people watch the esports world championships than watch the NBA world finals. No way. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's massive and it grew 37%, you know, through the pandemic. Uh, so it just continues to grow. But what's awesome about it is, and that I love so much about it, is it, it unites a lot of people, not just kids, adults as well, that oftentimes are marginalized, right? And so mm-hmm. we do high school leagues, uh, middle school leagues. And what we find is kids that aren't the superstar athletes, kids that aren't the jocks, or even kids that aren't the popular kids, become the mainstay. They become the... They can be you know, celebrities, right? right? And these communities of people that feel welcome and accepted, you know, we're having such troubling times with depression and anxiety, you know, it gives me great joy way beyond the video games. It's just seeing communities come together. And so for a lot of reasons, we absolutely love it. There's a clear correlation, I think, between video games and just technology in general. If you talk to Jeff Bezos or you know, some of the, the kind of the pioneers in industry, the tech industry, they'll tell you they all started out as gamers. 
like I said, it's so popular. And particularly, you know, for me, I have an intentionality about engaging our urban communities. A lot of times people of color rely really heavily on sports and music as the way up and out. And part of what I do is say, wait, there's another plan here. If your kid likes to play video games or, you know, maybe he's not blessed with great speed or seven foot height. You know, maybe he just really enjoys playing the games or designing the games or making them. And it's about finding, a, you know, an alternative or a route where, where you can meet kids where they are. I love that you said that because I do think culturally a lot of times we are very codependent on the arts and music, which is not a bad thing. Right. But there, like you said, there's so many other things and lanes that you can go after. In addition to this platform that you've created, what is the next trajectory of like where you see this scaling to? For us as a business, we're scaling. So we're in. Philadelphia now in four locations there, and we have a new D.C. location that we're building with Verizon. And it gives me an opportunity to engage the community and as well as kind of the sport in general work with the NBA and the NBA 2K program and Madden and and, and a lot of the bigger games. But I think the scale for us or the growth for us is about community and penetration. It's about identifying entire school systems that may struggle in terms of, you know, computer science or programming or, you know, some of the options that in the suburban schools where, you know, it's a plenty, well, we use video games as the carrot, right? And the stick is all the wonderful things that can be associated through technology. And so as we grow in scale, it's about offering programs to new communities and then using that to get young people interested in other career paths. That's great. I just want to see if Christina had a comment or question. I love that you have turned something that you love into a profitable business. I have always told my kids, figure out what you love doing so much that you do it for free and then figure out how to get paid. Yeah. So bravo to you. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, my uh, my dad told me a long time ago, oftentimes your misery is your ministry, right? Mm. And so for me, I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. I mean, I really, if you'd asked me, man, that was life. I had it all planned out. You know, and I knew what it was going to be. And so if you would have told me, you know, you fast forward 20 plus years later that I'm in a video game industry, you know, I would have never guessed it. How did you get started? Believe it or not, with my passion for sports, I created a sports and media company first. I would create these platforms where I'd go into urban communities and I would create these showcase opportunities for young athletes that wanted to matriculate and go to college. That platform grew really big, really fast, turned into a television program on ESPN that ran almost seven years. So I was creating content around traditional sports, and I got a call from the president of AAU Sports, if you're familiar with AAU basketball or baseball. And she goes, hey, Sean, are you still doing eSports events? And I said, hey, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know (laughs) what eSports is (laughs) and why you think that I would be doing that. And what they were referring to is when we would have an event, we might have a couple of hundred or a thousand young athletes. We'd buy a bunch of Xboxes and Playstations. We'd send them back to the hotels with the coaches and just say, hey, listen, Keep everybody busy. Keep them from trashing the hotels. Hmm. Somehow, I then ended up with a reputation as an esports event creator. So I thought, I better do some due diligence and understand this market. And as I began to learn more about it, what I realized was the value, right? Like when you think about traditional sports, how many people can you fit in a stadium? Maybe 50,000. Well, how many people can you fit in an esports stadium? About 500 million, right? And so you do the math for brands that want to be a part of something that's you know, so big and so powerful. Gaming is so cognitive, too. Is there any developmental benefit to playing video games? Um, Absolutely. I spoke in L.A. last week at what's called the Best You Conference, and a lot of it's about mental health and development. But there are so many studies that have shown that there are so many mental health benefits from playing video games. And the thing that I love that it addresses at a, a very high level is anxiety and depression. 
kids are so lonely nowadays. Mm. I mean, any opportunity that we can aggregate them and make them feel included or part of a team or, or part of something bigger than themselves is a positive. Well, and if you're playing a multiplayer game, who you are, what you look like is really pretty agnostic, right? Because, I mean, you could put your picture on some games, but everybody makes up these avatars, right, which are these cartoonish type people. So you're kind of insulated from all the other reasons somebody can reject you if you're... Yeah, I mean, listen, it's like a lot of other things. You know, you mentioned Queen Latifah, right, and trying to add diversity to film. In large part, I'm trying to add diversity to a $3 billion industry, right? So, you know, when you think about esports or video games and all of the important leadership positions or even characters in games, people of color represent about less than 5% of everything across the board that's meaningful in the industry. And so, except we over-index as consumers. And so there's so much opportunity to add, you know, what I think are organic meaningful ways to impact and engage communities that we're looking to just add to that. It is so popular because communities just kind of gravitate to one another, you know, and having this common interest. And so, you know, for us, there's there's all these creative opportunities in terms of our facilities. I also partner with Steve Harvey. We're building a gaming lab uh, or looking to build a lab on his ranch that he recently purchased. Um, he's got a great foundation uh, with his wife, Marjorie, around young people that don't have fathers. There are so many avenues You know, we've recently started working with some prominent hip hop artists that said, hey, we want to add gaming to our hip hop show production. Right. And so I'm literally working on a project right now to to kind of bring gaming culturally into kind of that same sphere of music and digital entertainment. And games are so immersive, too. I've played video games, not so much anymore, but a while ago. And you really get lost in this, right? And, And so if you do, if you are anxious or depressed, it's great escapism. Right. And get your mind off of stuff for a while. Instead, just focus on finding the thing or shooting the person or whatever it is the game's about. It's amazing how many relationships are created and developed and cultivated online. My son was a a, a college football player and one of his best friends graduated and went to play in the NFL. And they couldn't be together because they were in different cities. And, you know, but I would always find them on Fortnite together. I'm like, dude, aren't, aren't you have to study? (laughs) <laughs> they, like they well, literally that is the downside, right? right? right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, anything you you, you got to have moderation. But there are so many great benefits to it that I I just have fallen in love with the industry. But you raise a good point, though. I mean, seriously, should people be online more, or should they be interacting with real? People. I mean, let's face it, you get a job, you got to go interact with the public, your coworkers, your boss. Are people losing those skills because they're so immersed in the gaming world? You know, I think technology just across the board has its, its benefits and its drawbacks, right? You know, I think as a society, we probably engage less and less and less. I don't advocate doing anything in excess, whether it's video gaming or anything else. But there are certainly benefits to it. You know, there was a young gentleman in the Philadelphia area a couple of years ago who was spending all of his time at the Microsoft office store they had in the mall to play video games. I mean, every single day, hours and hours and hours and hours a day. And his parents were like, dude, too much. Like, you're just there too much. And about, I don't know, eight months later, he won $3 million. Right. Okay. And I went, dude, guess, right. not enough. Guess we need what, to see Mom and Dad? You, you were wrong. We yeah. need to see you back in there. We need to see more effort from you is what we need to see. There's a problem-solving component to mm-hmm. it, right? So yeah, that absolutely. is what stimulates the brain and cognitively helps and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that, that they derived, you know, because, you know, scientists and, and doctors and therapists look at it and say, what are the upsides and the downsides? And, and teamwork and communication and all of those things are positive things that come out of it. One of the unique projects that I work on uh, with the district attorney's office of Philadelphia is 
safe space recreation. You know, if you can create a gaming center or a location where young people can just get together and play and have a good time, you know, you've done something. So I think there's a lot of benefits. It's just about carving a path, you know, and finding unique ways to, to impact. You know what I really like that you've done, Sean, has been like totally open to different possibilities in your business. You had a business that was, you know, doing one thing, but you were open to all these other possibilities and it's open doors that have expanded your business. No, I appreciate that. I think that's really, really neat. You know, I will tell you this, right? COVID was very humbling. I've dived into the industry. I know everything about it. I'm ready. And I buy this big facility and I buy a bunch of PCs and outline. And I get the walls painted and branded and everything. And I'm so excited. And COVID hit. Uh, uh, and for eight months, uh, I walked into that facility, just me. What that taught me was you better pivot. You got folks that are dependent on you, almost like what you were talking about with your family, which was really moving for me because when you have folks that need you to be good, no matter what your circumstance is, you got to figure it out. And, you know, and for me, it was, okay, we'll find a virtual pivot. Look for strategic partners that can elevate you while, you know, this place sits dormant and those kinds of things. And so I, I really gravitated to what you were saying because it made me think about, you know, our own family and, you know, the priorities and, and, and the things that you got to do to get it done. Yeah. And I also feel that, like, there are no failures in life. Like, what you, happened to you was not a failure. It was just like, okay, you need to go in a different direction. Sometimes these things that we think are happening to us are happening for us. Yeah. And so, you know, you opened your place and for eight months it felt like I'm sure you felt like you were failing. Obviously, it wasn't your fault at all, but it led you to do something else and you were open to that. So I think if people get stuck, that's when you don't see the possibilities that are out there in the world. And if you can, my friend Berlin Fisher, who is a host of the show I'm on, he taught me the greatest thing ever. It changed my life. Honestly, it was get comfortable being uncomfortable. And once you can be comfortable being uncomfortable, it's not so scary or like painful. It's like, I know it's going to lead to something really great if I can just deal with this uncomfortableness for just a minute. Yeah. So if you're focused on the outcome that you want, it's amazing how different your life will be. The possibilities open up and all these things that you really want to have happen, they happen. And having the ability to be a creator, we come from the creator, right? And we have that creative spirit that's innate yeah. in us to just keep pushing and thriving and moving forward. So I love what you did. seems like it was always part of God's plan for you. You just were pivoting so that it would shift and like morph into what it needed to be to be successful. It's just being open to, you know, maybe your vision of what success looks like or what you're supposed to be. You know, you might open that up a little bit. Do you think that your vision is bigger now, that it's gone in this direction? My nature wants me to think smaller. But my circumstances are forcing me to think bigger. Mm -hmm. So it's a conflict for me. I'm very much a background kind of person. I don't like to be in the front. Uh, I wouldn't even do this unless, you know, I thought that it was for, I have some really great people that work for me on my team. and I, So I feel like I have to do things to grow the business more for them, for myself. But yeah, it's forcing me into a different thought process about what we should be. That's what happens with every entrepreneur. You start a business and even if you're a tech person or whatever, you think you can be behind the scenes, but guess what? And you're always your brand. So kudos to you for coming on this. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this segment, but we're not done with the show yet. How can people find you and what you're doing? Our website is metroesports.gg, or you can follow us on Twitter at metroesportsus. So reach out and become a part of the community. We have professional teams. We have online leagues and tournaments, so you don't have to be where we are to join our program and just excited to do more. 
Excellent. Well, listeners, we will be right back after this message with more of Passage to Profit. Stay tuned. If you missed any of this, the podcast comes out tomorrow. It's Passage to Profit. But we will be back right after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Noah Fleischman is our producer here at Passage to Profit, and he never stops trying to make sense of the future by looking at the past. In just the last year, a handful of radio stations across the United States were celebrating their 100th anniversary. Before long, the heritage broadcast organizations, CBS, NBC, they're going to be celebrating their 100th anniversaries, too. I don't mean to date myself, but as a kid, I can actually remember watching their 50ths many years ago, and they were wonderful. All this rich detail and information about the advent of radio and the earliest beginnings of television. Somehow, I don't think the 100th anniversary specials, if there is going to be that many, are going to include all that great information. I mean, let's face it, if you're producing these things, it's just easier to pull from the last 20 or 30 years of material, and quite frankly, there probably aren't quite that many viewers around to even remember or have a recollection of what was on the air 60 or 70 or 80 years ago. If that's the way they treat broadcast history in these United States, who's to say how they're going to be treating American history in the next 50 to 75 years? History is very important, and we need to acknowledge it all the time. It's where we were. It's where we came from. And truthfully, it's always nice to know that it's there. It's Passage to Profit. I am Kenya Gibson. We just had a wonderful conversation with our guest in studio today. And now it is time for Elizabeth's infamous question of the day. So I just picked up a book that I'm really getting into. So what I wanted to ask everybody is, what book are you now reading that you really are finding useful or that you really like? So I'm going to start with you, Christina. I read this book recently called We Plan and God Laughs by Dr. <laughs> Rabbi Sherry Hirsch. It's a great title. It's a great, it is, right? <laughs> but you don't need to be grieving or anything. It helps you with the waves of life, how to handle them. Just ride the wave and things do always work out. And not to focus on what could possibly maybe happen that is not going to happen. That's excellent. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you the same question. What book are you enjoying, recently enjoyed? I've read a book recently called Pursuit of Purpose by Dr. Miles Monroe. And I absolutely love it because it speaks to kind of our conversation earlier around the design around a thing. And so I think as it relates to individuals, and for me, it's like I really got to go to God to find out what the creator's intention was for me. Excellent. Kenya, same question. What book? The first time I heard it was an audio recording. It's The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. It's an old recording back from, I want to say maybe the 1940s. He was actually a salesman who ended up being one of the most influential, motivational self-help 
folks in wow. the business. So he started the game and he did this audio recording one day in the absence of him being in a meeting. And it got so popular that they pressed it out and made all these like it went gold. It like went gold as a record wow. because it was so powerful. So it is a book. But if you Google it, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale, it is a powerful I'd say 35-minute, inspirational, task-oriented, goal-oriented, motivational audio moment you're ever going to have in your life. What was the name of it again? The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. So my book is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Really interesting book. I just started reading it. It was referred to me by a friend. And he talks about habits, but he talks about the reason it's so hard to change them is you have to identify with the person that you want to be. So you have to figure out who you want to be and identify with that. And then that helps you form the habits that makes you into that person. I think it's really helping me because I think habits are important. And one habit that I really think can get to a lot of people is dealing with negativity, like going on to these blogs and reading all these negative comments people have. And I've been guilty of that in the past, like around news stories and stuff. But just keeping the negativity out of our lives, that has to be a habit, I think. Definitely. I I had that experience the other day. I really wanted to just lay down and take a nap and eat cookies. And I'm like, get up go to the gym. And I did not want to do it. And I just told myself, okay, five minutes, that's all you have to do. But once I did that, I broke my desire to be lazy and not productive. Christina, I wish that I had your discipline. <laughs> Listen, I was just thinking about how I'm going to walk out of here and get some cookies. So, Oh, I'm going with you for that. <laughs> that activity, I'm going with you. Richard had to step out of the room, but we'll grab him and bring him along, too. Very good. So I just wanted to make sure people knew how to spell Christina's last name. It's pronounced Christina Flack, but it's spelled F-L-A-C-H. So you can find her at ChristinaFlack.com or PrettyGirlMakeup.com. And what's your new company? I'm Too Busy. I'm Too Busy. Which is a great name. Thank you. She not only has a lot of good makeup experience and advice and everything, but she also has a lot of life experience that she shares with people and helps them deal with their life experiences. She's amazing. So check her out. And then MetroEsports.gg is what Sean Barry has. And what he's doing, it's so out of the box what he's doing with this gaming stuff and the outreach that he's getting with people. Just really check out his website. And, of course, we had our media maven, Kenya Gibson, with us today. She's always a pleasure to have sit in for Richard. Look for the podcast tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, at Passage to Profit Show, Twitter, at Passage to Profit, and we have a YouTube channel. While the information provided during this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without first checking with your legal professional. For all your patent, trademark, and copyright needs, our firm, Gearheart Law, offers free consultations. You can visit us at gearheartlaw.com. Join us next week for another show of Passage to Profit, Road to Entrepreneurship. Thank you all for listening and thanks to all of our participants. We'll see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.